0: Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio, I'm John Malk, and today we're going to talk to a very unusual missionary, one that you wouldn't think would have gone to the ends of the earth and he hasn't, but he's right in our midst, Brent Amato, and he's going to talk about the importance of discipling law students. Brent is a Christian Legal Society staff member focusing on attorney and law student ministries. I'm an attorney also and a partner in the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We're Christians, lawyers that focus on serving the body of Christ and its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, nonprofit administration, religious freedom work. You can find out more about us by going to maukbaker.com, dot rcom or call 312 726 1243, or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. So Brent, I gave a little teaser about you being an unusual missionary. You look like a normal person to me, but who would think that lawyers, law students, need missionary support? Why do you do this?
1: Well, uh, I do it because I believe that law students are singularly positioned to do great ministry both in their law school campus but afterwards for a significant period of time. I've been involved with CLS ever since I was a law student, John, and uh, been involved for over 40 years. And over the time, I have seen the impact that law students can have, which is a great matter for the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus
0: talked about leveraging his influence he told his disciples to make disciples and from a small group of disciples he changed the world and is still changing the world you've mentioned that law students uh, and i don't want to put words in your mouth but there's leverage they have greater impact how do
1: you see that why is that important to reach this group well Let's put it this way. Everyone has a sphere of influence. Some people have greater spheres of influence. Uh, My observations over the years have been that lawyers, rightly or wrongly, have a great sphere of influence. And so to the extent that you can reach a law student in their 20s and have them on fire for Christ on a campus of higher education and later as an attorney is an incredible return on investment. Okay, awesome. Awesome. But didn't Jesus say, woe to you, lawyers? Ah, but you're not reading all of Scripture, John. I'm just teasing you, obviously. And yes, they did not get a lot of good ink. But you know, if you look to Titus in there, uh, Paul writes to this young pastor and says, look out for Zenos, because Zenos is someone who is doing something for Christ and make sure he has everything he needs to effectuate his ministry. So there is good lawyering going on.
0: Uh, Zenus, the lawyer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Well, tell us what it means to minister to Christian law students. What actually
1: do you do? Okay. Well, first of all, you need to know what the uh, mission of the Law Student Ministries is for Christian Legal Society. And I'm quoting, to nurture and encourage Christian law students by providing mentors and resources aimed at fostering spiritual growth. Compassionate outreach, and the integration of faith and practice, and to establish and maintain vibrant witnessing communities of law students on every law school campus. Now, those are just words, John, but let me tell you what that looks like. Last week, I found myself meeting with law students from uh, the University of DePaul Law School, and we were talking about discipleship just over some good food. I found myself this last Saturday meeting with Valparaiso, law students, and a sponsor, and some law school professors. And what were we talking about? Just ways to integrate your faith in your practice.
0: All right, well, then back up a second. Sure. What does what discipleship mean in the law student context, and what does integrating your faith and practice mean in a lawyer or law student context?
1: Well, let's take the second one first. In terms of integration— It means that there are not compartments with regard to someone's life, that all of life is sacred, whether it be going to church, whether it be studying for a law school final exam or anything else. And the key is, is everything that you're doing to the glory of God and somehow motivated and guided by the Holy Spirit in a way that advances God's kingdom? That should be true of every law student.
0: But aren't lawyers subject to our American laws, the state of Illinois, our Constitution? Isn't that the higher law that they need to learn to follow?
1: Well, that's a law that's going to get them a law degree, but that's not that's going to get them, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be granted to you. So I think a higher calling with regard to God's kingdom and his righteousness really is something that should be motivating the law student, not necessarily whether they get an A in a particular course.
0: Well, a lot of people might say... Uh, This is about imposing Christianity on the rest of us. How do you answer that objection to getting lawyers on fire for Jesus?
1: It's all about truth. It is something that everyone should be contemplating. And uh, when you say imposing, when you say imposing upon someone, everyone needs to be true to the truth. And so from my standpoint, when I encourage law students... I want to make sure that they're focusing on the ultimate truth.
0: This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malcolm, law firm of Malcolm Baker. And we're speaking with Brent Amato, who's a missionary, an actual real live missionary to law students right here in the Chicago area. God bless him. Brent, what's the toughest part of your job administering to law students?
1: Uh, their busyness. Most law students uh, are so uh, consumed with the pressures and the time issues that uh, many times given an opportunity to study an extra hour versus spend time chatting over biblical propositions and uh, things that might be of a spiritual nature uh, falls by the wayside. So that's one thing, uh, the pressure of time. There's a tyranny of the urgent, John, that permeates the law school environment.
0: Well, that, that, That's with all of us, isn't it?
1: Uh, yes, it is. But you asked me what's really a challenging <laughs> thing with law students. You're right. It's no different. And you know what? Here's what I tell them. Not only is it the same, but it's going to ratchet up when they get into practice. And what's your scriptural guidance for these harried individuals? <laughs> well, I could go to Ephesians where it says, be careful how you walk, and then say, making the most of your time, Ephesians 5, uh, 17, 18, and 19. Uh, that might be one place that I would direct them. Second place I would direct them to his priorities. The Sermon on the Mount says, seek ye first uh, a law degree? Seek ye first moot court? Seek ye first law review? Seek ye first an A on a test? No. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's all about priorities, John.
0: You used to be a full-time lawyer. I did. And you talked to, to law students, but you probably made a lot of money being a lawyer, and now you're a missionary. What made you switch?
1: Well, first of all, it's all about calling. You know, we're all driven by certain convictions, and uh, while I practiced for 40 years, maybe over the last 15 years, God has been tugging on my heart. Not necessarily a Damascus Road experience, but yet a sincere tugging nonetheless. And uh, I had this conviction, unlike many lawyers, that I wasn't going to practice law for my entire life. And uh, as I went down that particular path, it became clearer and clearer. So as of January 1st, 2015, I did withdraw from the practice of law, and I withdrew because of a calling, but also because of all the things that CLS had taught me about what's important in life. So while I was practicing law and ministering to law students, I saw an opportunity to um, enhance and increase that ministry uh, that was being taken up by the practice of law.
0: Okay, well, we congratulate you for that, but let's look at the big picture here. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know the stats. I'm not sure how many lawyers in this country, how many Christians, how many are really trying to follow the Lord, how many law students, how much is Christian Legal Society doing, how many chapters are there? I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. You can take a big breath. And then how many missionaries
1: to law students are there? Okay, so first of all, let's talk about the numbers of Christian Legal Society. Right now, it's a membership organization, and right now, looking at the statistics, there's about uh, 1,950 members, and those members are broken up in the following categories. They're broken up to attorneys, law professors, judges, and students primarily. Right now, as we speak, uh, there's approximately 400 law student members uh, on maybe over 100 law school campuses so it's pretty much permeated the legal uh, educational profession
0: but that's about four law students per law school
1: well it depends some of these chapters uh, are robust and uh, on any given week i would go to a chapter and they might have 15 20 law students one l's two l's and three l's others john i got to tell you are in life support because uh, not every chapter is the same and i'll find maybe one or two
0: and how many missionaries are out there doing the work you're doing?
1: First of all, there's informally a lot of missionaries like yourself who are doing this. But in terms of formal people, I'm an experiment. I am the only regional staff member. There is an individual by the name of Mike Shutt. He's the director of law school and attorney ministries. And yes, this is his full-time job. But, but for Mike and myself... Um, There aren't any formal missionaries. My hope, John, would be that Christian lawyers would see the utility of this and engage in the profession.
0: Well, as I've been involved in the Christian Legal Society over the years, I I talked to a man named Sam Casey that you know, former director, and he said the number one need expressed by Christian law students is to have a mentor. That is to have a personal mentor. Now, I don't know. Uh, We'll have to talk after the next segment to see how can one man be a personal mentor to 400 law students. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk, partner with the law firm of and Baker, and we're talking to Brent Amato, a missionary to Christian law students and a member of the Christian Legal Society staff. Uh, Before the break, Brent, uh, you mentioned that there are 400 registered Christian law students, uh, members of the Christian Legal Society, but that you and and Mike Schutt, who's at the home office, are the two basic uh, missionaries to this group. How does one man disciple 400 law students all over the country?
1: Well, first of all, there's nothing new under the sun and there are great materials that Christian Legal Society has generated on discipleship. And so these people, these law students could go on the website and download wonderful materials. I know one individual, his name is John Mock, who has contributed to that set of resources. And so that's one thing. The second thing is there are uh, national conferences where we can get 100, 200 law students together and maximize that. And we have a regional retreat as well. But for me, every day that I can invest in the life of another law student is worth the price of admission. So I don't worry about covering 400 people. I worry about being a good steward for every opportunity I have. Not every law student wants to spend time with a member of CLS staff. I don't sweat that. I view the people that want to spend time with me as gold and I use that time wisely, hopefully.
0: And if they're hungry, I assume uh, you try to set them up maybe with another lawyer if you can't handle them all?
1: That's right. Does that ever happen? Yes, that does. That happens all the time. Because let's say I'm talking with someone who is at Northern Illinois University Law School. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce them to alumni that are Christians because they're on board, they love the university, and they are more apt to spend more quality time than I might be able to. So you're right. The key is to match up a lawyer who sees the mission with a law student who's hungry.
0: Awesome. You're great. You ought to be an investment uh, the way you leverage your time and and your ministry. Um, Are there spiritual attacks that are unique to Christian law students?
1: There are, and I'm so glad that you asked me about that. And the way I gauge spiritual attacks are... I try to figure out what law school students are asking. And I can share with you at, briefly at least four questions or topics that they're talking about. And the reason I believe they're important is because questions lead you to challenges, temptations, and spiritual attack. So permit me just to share with you what a law student might ask me if you're sitting across from me. Okay? All right, go ahead. The first one is um, they're asking, how am I going to get a job? There are too many lawyers already, and their questions are about the job market. Um, How should I focus on a job search, etc., etc.? And they're worried about graduating without getting a job. Um, I believe there's encouragement for all of these questions and responses to the challenges. So for this particular one, I would lead them to Scripture. I would lead them to scripture like I do with all four of these. Well,
0: well, first of all, why why are you calling this a spiritual attack? I mean, this is a a non-Christian law student would have the same concerns. Mm -hmm. Where am I going to get the job?
1: Yeah. Well, the reason it's a spiritual attack is the last thing Satan wants is for a law student who's called to the practice of law to practice law. And so he wants them easy on in the game to say, wow, maybe I made a mistake. And uh, there's too many lawyers already. Maybe I should just drop out. So here's what I tell people. I say, first of all, anecdotally, I tell them they're talking to a very average law student who had nothing going for him in this job market glut and who had no distinctive grades. And yet, notwithstanding that, God directed him to a practice of law that lasted for 40 years. But beyond any of you're, my...
0: You're t- talking to you about yourself. I'm talking about <laughs> myself. I can't believe that.
1: No, no. You but must- beyond that, but beyond that... I share scripture with them. So I go to Philippians 1.6 that says, he who began a good work in you, he who attracted you to law school for a particular purpose will complete it. I have confidence of that. I want them, John, not to listen to Brenna Motto, an ex-attorney, a CLS staff member. I want them to listen to the word of God. So I try to encourage them. They've been called, and God does not make mistakes. So that's one question. Second question that's asked is, how am I going to pay off all my debt? Um... Law students incur incredible amount of debt to go to law school, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they scratch their head and say, well, that should dictate my law career path because I need to make as much money as possible, as soon as possible, to get out of debt. And so there I take them to Philippians 4.19 that says, and your God, law student, will supply all your needs according to the riches of Christ Jesus, so that they don't sweat that so much as being faithful to the calling. That's the second one.
0: All right, do you have any stories of law students uh, heeding your spiritual advice and getting their debts paid off?
1: I have no anecdotal stories of any law student becoming a millionaire. So no, I don't. But that doesn't negate the Word of God and having its faithfulness. Permit me to go on just with a couple of others. The third one, which is the most common, is work-life balance. How can I possibly manage a demanding law practice and still love my family? How can I be true to my priorities? And and once again, that's something that every vocation handles. But you know, John, as well as I do, the law is a jealous mistress. That's not an axiom just that's having no connectivity to their experience. The law is a jealous mistress. And so what do I try to share with them? I try to share with them, once again, Scripture. Um, We're talking about, uh, oh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which once again says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and maybe that might help you with regard to your praise. No,
0: amen. Absolutely. You've either got to have a worldly view that this is a... closed system, or understand that we are spiritual beings living in the kingdom of God. If we've been born again, we've entered into a different realm.
1: Right. So the balance, the balance is there already through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. It's just a matter of the lost students opening their eyes amid all the tyranny of the urgent to experience it.
0: Amen. Okay. Uh, So that's number three, and there's a fourth one. All right. And thank you for
1: your patience with me. (laughs) A fourth one, which is, how can I possibly be a faithful Christian practicing law? I read Scripture and know what the word is to the Pharisees, woe is to me. How am I ever going to pull this off? Can I possibly be true to uh, my faith? Can I possibly be ethical? Can I possibly integrate my faith and my practice? And uh, I take them to Scripture again that says, Uh, Proverbs 16.3, commit your work to the Lord, whatever you do, and if you do that, you will have success. I I take them to scripture that says, you be filled with the Holy Spirit and watch the gyroscope of the Holy Spirit tell you how to integrate your faith and your practice.
0: Wow. Uh, You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio and you're listening to Brent Amato, the Christian Legal Society. You can find out more about us by going to malkbaker.com. Brent, tell us some stories of actual law students and what God has done in their lives.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you an individual story, and I'm going to give you a corporate story, if I may, please. And uh, the first one is about an individual. Just We'll just call him Joe. Met him at Judson University when he was a pre-law student, trying to figure out what to do. Re-encountered him at the University of Illinois Law School, where he now, continuing as a Christian, had a much stronger sense of calling. And I tried to invest myself in his life. And this person engaged in practice of law for a period of time, and then felt and sensed a higher calling. And John, wait a
0: minute, wait. There's a higher calling than the practice of law. Yeah,
1: watch this. Listen to this. (laughs) Okay. And while he had a successful...
0: Everybody listen to this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And while he had a successful law practice, he felt that he needed to be uh, a good Samaritan. And he left the practice of law to focus on Christian legal aid. And what he did was he started an organization... Um, that ministered uh, to the poor who didn't have access to law and has been doing that for maybe the last 15 years. Now, I'm quick to tell you, was this because of Brent? No, but I had a small part in helping shape his conviction that maybe this ministry trumped the practice of law. That's one individual. And you know what? I've got pictures and I've got anecdotes about a lot of different people, but I want to share one corporate one to you. Wouldn't it be cool if I could tell you that there is a law school that's had a chapter of CLS on their campus uh, for 40 CLS, years. CLS,
0: Christian Legal Society. I'm sorry,
1: Christian Legal Society. For
0: 40 years? 40
1: years. Now, you know what the generation of a law school is. It's three years. So you do the math, John, and figure out that since the 80s, there has been a vibrant CLS chapter going through all this important stuff. And that is true of Valparaiso. So I'm telling you, that some school CLS chapter has put out, manufactured, sent out—I believe in the true sense of the word—law students for forty years to impact the kingdom of God through their practice of law. That's cool in my mind because you don't always get that continuity. You know, come people come and people go. Forty years.
0: Yeah, we had uh, Amy Parrish who was—that's uh, right. Uh, That's- a lawyer at Malcolm Baker for quite a number of years until she and her husband got called to a pastorate out in the out in the Rocky Mountain area. That, but but right. what, what a lawyer she was, and what a witness for Jesus! Because we look for people who can practice law ethically, competently, well, sometimes spectacularly. Yeah. But unless they're focused on Jesus. And their heart is, how do we serve God? And how do we serve people God's created with the love of God, the Hesed of Jesus? What difference does it make? It makes no difference at all, because unless the Lord builds a house, he who labors, labors in vain. Yeah,
1: you were the, you were the beneficiaries of Amy, but you were the beneficiaries of a strong LSM ministry at Valpo.
0: Well, thank you so much. This has been Brett Amato that we've been talking to missionary to Christian law students in Chicago and around the country. I'm John Mauk and this has been Lawyers for Jesus. God bless you all.
1: i